Hello cult hackers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm her dad, Stephen Mather, also very interested in cults. I work as an organisational psychologist now, um, but I was a member of a group till I was about 30, about the time you were born, Celine. So, so, should we just jump in straight away? So, we're going to talk about the royals today. That's right. We, the we don't British nor- royals. The British royal family, that's right. Uh, and the institution, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't normally sort of do topical things because we like the podcast to be um kind of you know good forever evergreen if you like um but this seems like a great opportunity because when this comes out it will actually be coronation day so and i think um, it's still relevant regardless of of that so you know it seemed like a good thing to do um and i wanted to start it actually by asking um you know before prepping for this episode you know none of that Mm. what were your thoughts if someone said what do you think about the royals you know you can't escape a TikTok video where this these days coming up to you asking questions. <laughs> what do you think about the royals? What would you mm. have answered? What in relation to being a cult or just just, just generally, 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 you know? Yeah, because um, now you might answer this question differently with yeah. But if someone you know came up to you before, I mean, I I've never been um, a royalist. I have to mm-hmm. be honest. I um, I think as a modern society that the idea of a hereditary head of state. Um, and all the the pomp and ceremony that goes along mm-hmm. with it is just not my bag. I I don't like it. I and have the to religious say. attachment, of course. Yeah, um, you know, head of the Church of England essentially mm-hmm. is the royal family, or the, sorry, the uh, the king or queen. Um, yeah, so I've never been a fan of of royalty. I I guess in an ideal world, I'd say that I'd prefer us to be a republic. Um, but when you then start saying, right, what would be the alternative? Then it starts to get trickier because you're then into, well, you know, do we have to vote for somebody? And that's more democratic, of course. But then the voting process means that they become very political in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, of you know, course, I, the royals are meant to be apolitical. That's right. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. I, I'm not a fan of the royal uh, process or the um, the institution of royalty. I don't like all the pomp and ceremony. I've never liked it. It doesn't. I, I feel a bit embarrassed, if I'm honest, as no. a British person, that this is the way that the world sees us. And it, it doesn't reflect most people's lives, if I'm honest. You know, um, no. it's nothing like well, the, the British way are not very live. pomp and ceremonial, are they? They're not very... in not in real life. No. Um, not certainly not um, the working class uh, people, mm. middle class even. So. Yeah, um, so that I guess that's, but I've never wished any ill on them. So no. it's not like I hate the royal family at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's quite an, I have some empathy for the uh, the people involved, and we obviously will get into all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so not not a massive fan of the institution. Don't harbour any ill will towards them individually. Um, so yeah, that would be my yeah. my view. What about what about you? Well, um, very similar, to be honest. Um, I was just going to say, do you not remember when you used to refer to the Royals as hanger on us? Hangers on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did that because it used to wind you up. When you were little, you loved the royal family. Because um, as a child, when you <laughs> what you think royalty is and yeah. what it means is incredibly different, isn't it? Mm. You know, queens and princesses and, That's right. you know, all of that. 
is yeah. fairy tale stuff. Yeah, and I suppose so, that's how a lot of people from the outside still see it as adults. <laughs> as yeah, well. that's, that's right. So yes, you used to get really cross with me, which kind of made me laugh a little bit. It was um, a stroppy child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So there was that. But um, um, yeah, obviously with with time, um, you come to question the vast amounts of money and yeah, the money required to facilitate the pomp and ceremony as you discuss um you question that when you think about where we are in england politically and um you know crisis yeah you know we're i mean to not to but put we too will far in fact point, be doing a coronation mm. and i've seen the vestments and they're definitely full of gold um, <laughs> so yeah but um you know and i think there was wasn't there recently that sort of outcry because there was then Prince Charles talking about um, the cost of living crisis and mm. how it's going to be difficult. And also I think he was trying to empathise, but it was made difficult to uh, hear over the deafening sound of decadence surrounding him. <laughs> um, and yes, that was a bit of an outcry, yes, wasn't right. it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's obviously not a great look when you're, you know, you'll, you'll be decked with um, medals and, and jewels and yeah. uh, sitting on a throne um, to be empathising with people's lot in life. I have to say, though, that the the money question is is possibly the, the least, um, mm-hmm. for me, the least good argument, um, because I think you could argue that they also bring a lot of money in through yeah. through tourism and so on. So I don't know where the um, the balance sheet lies. You know, I don't know if we we sort of get more than we than we pay in that respect. Um, mm. So I, I don't find that a particularly compelling argument. I mean, you, you if you look at the other countries that don't have royalty, you know, they still spend a fortune on. Mm. Um, on ceremonies and other things so yeah um i guess it is part of the um the way that that society works or that nation mm-hmm. states work they have all this pomp and ceremony um yeah I, I i don't know it's not it's definitely not my bag but um no. but that's more because i i think the principle of you becoming a king or queen just because you happen to be born into it it's just i yeah. don't like that as a principle. no and and from their point it's not just this hereditary thing is it it's this idea that god has ordained it because they are mm. head of state it's not just who they are being born as in terms of their hereditary right it's it it was always this way it should have always been this way god has ordained it and um as for the first time we saw with the census um we're no longer majority christian I suppose that does put a potential spanner in the works um, of, you know, be a big part of the reason, you know, the royals are justified is because, you know, this is their, this is the, um, this is what was ordained. You know, they are coronated in a church and it's all holy oil and everything. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all steeped in that historically. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, I mean, um, apparently Prince Charles, oh, sorry, King Charles, I still can't get used to saying yeah. that. Um, King Charles is very religious, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think his sons are particularly so. So mm. yeah, I mean, the, we'll again, see how this all changes yeah. obviously, but yeah. Yeah. So these are things I suppose that I would have thought about before, 
Um, so are you are you going to um swear the allegiance um thing? Have you heard about this? No. What is this? <laughs> so during the coronation, I don't know if you've been watching it or not, but during the actual coronation, the um it will be hosted. <laughs> That's not mm. the right word, is it? It's not hosted. Um the formalities will be done by the most reverend Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah. And he will say, all persons of goodwill in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and the other realms and the territories to make their homage in heart and voice to their undoubted King Defender of all. And then he will read, all who so desire in the Abbey and elsewhere say together all I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. Um, then there will be a fanfare after which Mr. Welby will say, God save the king, with all us to respond. God save the king, Charles. Long live King Charles. May the king live forever. Mm. So they're going to ask um, their subjects to sort of do this little... Um, pledge are you going to be doing that no <laughs> <laughs> i might not even be watching it to I be in be all honesty it. like no. the only, like i think there's a chance i might glance over it at some point just out of like was well, a historical moment curiosity but i don't yeah i might forget i'll be honest i'll, I'll see it on the news obviously that's and, what i mean um, like you know mm. i'll see but, it yeah. is significant, as you say, as a historical moment. Um, I, even I'm too old to remember uh, the Queen was was, was coronated before I was born. So yeah, it's the probably the first and only time, depending on how long Charles lives. I'll I'll see that. So yeah, I guess it is a historical. moment. He's seventy odd, so I suppose yeah. I mean, he, he's waited a long time to do his job. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and okay, so that's all kind of. A bit side stuff. Yeah. And yeah. um, the reason we're talking on it today, talking about this subject today, is why, Celine? Because um, it's been a conversation going for a while. Yeah. It's not just of recent, mm. but the is the royal family a cult conversation? Um, yeah. I think, when would you say that's come to the fore? I know some of the articles 2021 mm. were being discussed because of the whole... Um, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry debacle kind of started kicking off around then. That actually is great rhyme, that. Um, yeah. You can rhyme debacle with Markle. Oh, yeah, great. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, actually, he uh, he says this in his book. So I've been listening to the audio version of his book. I must say, I've not got through it yet. I'm, I'm probably about a third of the way through it. It's quite um, a long book to be It's fair. quite a long book, and, and there are bits of interest in there, but it is actually quite – I found it quite dull as a book. Mm. Um, no offence uh, <laughs> to anybody involved in it but it's it is quite a boring book really there are obviously there's some moments of uh of actually quite touching mm. um sadness obviously we, we about like his mother, about his mother and everything yeah. not believing uh, she was dead and, yeah you know. that's right i didn't realize he he was you know a literal conspiracy theorist really mm. he he was convinced obviously a young boy though so but into his adulthood he sad. still thought mm. there was a chance that's mm. right very very sad he believed that his mum had faked her own death so that she could get away from this these paparazzi that were chasing mm -hmm. her this life. from the mm -hmm. media yeah so um that is tragic and, and actually i think there's a lot to be said about that um but he says in his book outsiders called as a cult 
but maybe we were a death cult. And wasn't mm. that a little bit more or a little more depraved? And the reason he called it a death cult is because um, I guess, you know, it's at death that everything happens, isn't it? You know, it's like mm. when somebody dies, it's at that point that succession happens. Okay. Um, the great moments of, of all kings and queens' lives often are in battle, perhaps, or when they've died. Um, he talks about, obviously, all the pomp and ceremony that goes along with his Well, everything Charles dying. has ever wanted, um, yeah. you know, yeah. relied on his Mother's, mother's passing death. yeah yeah so um that's that's his view so he's actually said it but i think we have um touched upon or hinted at talking about this whether the royal family is a cult even before his book um mm. because it's it, it there are some similarities um so yeah and of course other people say it too i suppose that the other thing that i would say is i've since we started this podcast i've always been quite hesitant and jumping on the oh it's a cult bandwagon you know uh we we talked about um Stephen Hassan's the cult of Trump uh, when mm -hmm. he first wrote that book um and I think I was quite skeptical at that time I think I've actually m come up more around to accepting that as being a cult actually um mm. certainly the inner sort of or at least the the real hardened you know, Trump supporters, not mm. necessarily everybody that voted for him, but I think there's a kind of a real fanatical following that he has. Um, and and as for the royal family, yeah, I've always been quite hesitant at calling them a cult, but I think that it does have some cultic elements which we can we can talk about. And again, this is one of the problems of the word, really. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's it's definitely a live question. Yeah, I suppose the thing that makes it easier is that one of them has spoken out against it and called it such, not in mm. maybe direct terms, though, in terms of him dancing around it and saying other people have said it's a cult. Yeah. Mm, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, in all intents and purposes, um, it sounds quite culty, especially in um, the descriptions. Um, I suppose, so do we focus more on Harry and Meghan for unpicking it as a cult, given that they're the kind of quote unquote survivor stories. Yeah, we, we could, we could do that. I'm quite happy to do that. I, I think um, I, I would like to credit um, Rebecca Woodward as mm -hmm. the, uh, the other person that's kind of brought this to the fore. Um, our wonderful guest on our last podcast, Daniel Alan Cox um, pointed this out on his Twitter feed and, and I followed it. Um, there's a, a piece, an article written on Electric Lit. I'll put the mm -hmm. link on the show notes by Rebecca Woodward, who's a, a writer um, in the States. Um, and she's actually an ex-Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. um, and the title of the um, of the piece is, As a Cult Survivor, I Found Prince Harry's Spare Surprisingly Relatable. Mm -hmm. um, and she really draws some parallels between her experience growing up as Jehovah's Witness and then leaving the group and what she's read in Prince Harry's book. So I think she's kind of really quite nicely identified some of these similarities. So, yeah, um, I'm happy to kind of refer yeah. to some of those as we go through this. And, and there's, other, there's other pieces mm -hmm. as well that I've talked about. Too. And I think it's interesting, as we've discussed before, my <laughs> impending existence was one of the um, reasons you started considering your position. I mean... It's mm. not um, potential. It, it, I don't think it's mentioned in his book, but I mean, 
fatherhood i'm sure yeah. must have played a part because mm. he's about to raise his children and he's probably mm. you do do a bit of reflecting on how you were raised and do you want to copy paste that <laughs> you know absolutely yeah i mean he has an absolute hatred for mm-hmm. um for the media that is yeah. that is his you know his absolute nemesis mm-hmm. all right let's um let, let's see if we can start picking up some similarities then and, mm-hmm. and obviously differences at the same time so what what do you think what are the similarities between what we might call a cult and this institution called the royal family what what might make it a cult i suppose it's the the sort of higher up or inner echelon of laws and rules and power that's mm. um that isn't the sovereign themselves because <laughs> i think a lot of people think when you suggest that the royal family is a court that you're saying that the sovereign is the court leader but i don't think that's true i think that's no. um mm. it's like the with jw's i think the reason they're quite a good comparison point is because we've said before they don't necessarily mm. have one obvious charismatic leader correct um it's this organization the organization the yeah. firm that's is right. the royal family's term for it that's right um, or well, I think they they do refer to it. Um, I've heard the term the firm before. Mm, they talk. Firm, they, that's yeah. what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. So I think that's mm. immediately one. Um, yeah, I think you're right. That's that's a really good one. Um, it's it it's not a. It's I mean in a way it's personified by the monarch, but it, that's not the leader. It is the institution that is this yeah. tyrant really. Yeah. <laughs> for for them, you know, it's like um, there is there is no. You know, it's very difficult for them to to go against what's yeah. what is where protocol. you can live where mm. who you can marry yeah um when you can leave how you get there so it's very coercive in that respect and yeah. and you get that from harry's book um mm-hmm. the coercive nature of it you know you can't do anything if you want to do something you have to get permission um he joins well he when he was deciding what he wanted to to do you know what he what he wanted to his career um a lot of the things he wanted to do he couldn't do because he was a royal he ended up serving in the army but he couldn't fight where he wanted to fight because the media got hold of it and then the um you know the enemy promised to yeah Yeah. exactly so it, it was like you know he couldn't do anything where you go what you do who you see girlfriends um boyfriends ceremony all of that is mapped out for you so you don't have much personal agency to do what you want to do no and i reflecting i remember like sometimes you know those kind of like sort of trashy youtube videos are like 10 things you didn't know about whatever and i remember there was ones about the royal family like you know x many things about the royals you didn't know Mm -hmm. and you kind of listen to it and just like oh that's interesting but actually it's quite culty it's like Mm-hmm. You know, they can't wear certain colours, can't wear nail polish that's not natural colours. They can't have long nails. They've got to be, you know, certain length and certain colour. Um, you you obviously can't wear particular types of clothing. It's got to be mm. modest length skirts um, or, or you know, again, modest trousers, modest whatever. Um, you know, you, you won't catch them in a mini skirt kind of, yeah. you know. Um, they're always in heels they are expected to portray femininity and masculinity in the ways that Mm. they decide yeah yeah and um 
I, I think you know things like sexuality and so on is very mm-hmm. much controlled. Um, the um, some of the the pieces that Harry talks about, obviously, he's a he's a young man. Um, he had girlfriends, um, but he, you know it was, it was difficult, and it was difficult for them to um, to, to be part of that life, and it you know certainly got in the way more than once um with his relationships and i was thinking about you know sexuality there's um there have been rumors from time to time about members of the royal family um being gay but yeah i think there'd be a real pressure uh for uh, on, on people to hide their real selves you know and well, i don't imagine that say in the future would we ever have non-binary uh sovereign probably not probably no. <laughs> I, I think um you know would you have the queen and her queen consort probably not you know that's right um, mm. because they again they're bound by the church for one so they mm. can't disconnect that so there are any rules around that i guess they have to follow i don't know what the church of england's kind of rules are around that i um, mean even even now um charles um couldn't get married because uh, obviously he got married to um camilla um because she's a divorcee um mm-hmm. he couldn't get married with the full pomp and ceremony of the of the full um uh, ceremony that he would have had if if it hadn't been the case so there were there were some restrictions to that just because she was a divorcee yeah and her, um, her ex-husband was still alive because obviously mm-hmm. charles is also a divorcee but because it's different yes. when you're when they're no longer yeah. here and it's treated differently isn't it that's right um, yeah so obviously we don't really know any of that for sure or in terms of sexuality we don't know for sure but i i think but that... there's even even if you're not there's the pressure to make sure you're not you know what mm. i mean there's no checking in with oneself um no no yeah so um yeah uh so yeah very i think it's a quite a restrict very restrictive lifestyle and before anybody kind of says oh well you know living in a palace and um or living in a stately home somewhere mm-hmm. with uh, it could be a lot worse of course and um you know that's one of the the upsides in that you'll never have to worry about paying the bills and you can live a life of luxury of course but i guess it's that gilded cage is still a cage point yeah. and, and it does feel very restrictive i wouldn't want to have it myself you know no. even if i could choose that uh it is mentioned in one of the articles that we were reading that i'm sure we'll put in the show notes um mm. that uh during like difficult media storms it's quite quite suggested that they stay out of the media but because of who they are that means being at home being locked in that's right <laughs> effectively mm. and when mm. we say it's suggested when it comes from when we're discussing it around this coercive kind of control and it's being done for your safety it's the best mm. thing to do mm. um you know results in people being isolated locked away and lonely yeah ab- absolutely yeah mm-hmm. um the i think another similarity is is an us and them mentality so one of the things that cults do of course they create this very strong sense of community around the group and um you know that's that's your whole world really and mm-hmm. so I think there's a there's a sense of us and them that is created or that is um, encouraged. That is a natural part of of 
human behavior we know that we've talked about that before in groups and out groups and and all of that but in certain circumstances it's in the interest of the group to stoke that up even more so create even more difference between the in group and the out group um and whether it's being done on purpose or not i think the effect of being in the royal family is like that you know it's it's exclusive um you know very few people can join that club and there is this sense of us and them particularly i think harry describes his sense of that because of what happened to his mother and the fact that he hated being in the media so it became you know it was a battle between the enemy which was the media and the media essentially they're there to mediate between what they have to say and the public and their mm-hmm. their subjects so it's put a real kind of barrier between uh, the royal family and and those that are supposed to be their subjects, even more than is the case, you know, because of their their exclusivity. I think. So, anything else? Are there any other similarities that that we could refer to? I suppose the reason this is discussed more at the moment is because they've done the unthinkable. They have um, they have spoken out. Because <laughs> um, I was listening to Lena's um, from the Gumption Club's uh, reviewer spare as well. It's like a so this is this is your you follow this um yeah youtube youtube person and book yeah. sort of um mm. works in the book industry but um yeah she was reviewing it. it's like a good 37 minute dive through it which is really interesting um but effectively she said it reads as though it's him putting everything down that's ever been questioned or rumoured about or speculated and he's just put it all there in his own words you know obviously the ghostwriter has been used but um Mm. you know he's just put it all out there for everyone to see and almost as though it's a reference point to be like oh what about this and instead of going to the tabloids and these bits and pieces it's like well i've said it here it is it's all there after years of being told to just say no comment mm. about everything. And that's kind of how it's being read um, to her. Maybe that's why in some parts you find it a bit boring because it might really just be a mm. point by point. You said this or this was found. Here's what happened. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, you know, that's another similarity with a cult, isn't it? That you're not supposed to criticise mm-hmm. the cult. You're not allowed to differ with the cult's mm-hmm. um, opinions. And, yeah, criticising the royal family, criticising the institution, you know, he's not allowed to do that mm-hmm. or no one's allowed no. to do and that. And it's difficult from all angles because the cult, let's say, the, the, the firm, the, the royal family, the firm, won't like him speaking against it, but neither do a lot of the general public because they're either mm. royalists who love royalty or... Like you say, they'll be like, "We well, have fine, fine life. Stop complaining." That's so it's right. not. So when people kind of, um, I don't know, get funny about when him writing the book and being like, "What's he got to got to say?" It's kind mm-hmm. of like, well, he, he has a right to speak and say yeah. what he wants to say. Um, but I, I don't think he necessarily did it because he thought it would get him loads of clout because <laughs> uh, it's going to be difficult. It's it, it's it was never going to be a perfectly received book, was it? I mean, how much of a storm um was there you know? yeah i mean there's obviously the the elements of his wife Meghan markle is is also one that complicates uh people's view of the whole thing you know so some people really don't like her at all um i you know i don't feel strongly i don't know the person at all so and i, I have to say i haven't watched 
the uh, the shows, the Netflix show mm. and things like that. So maybe she comes across there in a way that doesn't do any favours. I really don't know. But yeah, I think I when I'm listening to that book, he reads it actually, which is quite interesting mm. in itself. So a lot of audio books are uh, read by actors, but um, he reads his own book. Mm. So it's his own words. It's his own voice, which is is quite extraordinary hearing him talk in this way but yeah it does it does sound in some respects very much like somebody's story of somebody who has been in a group mm-hmm. um or a cult what i find interesting about this article the rebecca woodward article is um she actually refers to some of the acronyms that we've talked about before you know pimo and um mm. Um, there's there's one there that I hadn't come across before, which was um, PIMQ, physically and mentally questioning. Mm. Um, so obviously we know about PIMI, PIMO, POMO, uh, but POMI is the one that, again, Woodward, like like we've said before, is, is a terrible place to be physically out but mentally in. And I, I think there is some suggestion that maybe Harry's still a bit like that because, you know, he's still says he's a royalist you know he still believes in the institution yeah Um, and he he doesn't call into question some things mm, that you might if you were really throwing all the toys out the pram let's say because he um, as some as in lena's video which we can put in the show notes um uh she says the deafening silence of a particular royal family member is never mentioned so the Prince Andrew, for instance, that's never mentioned um, in the book at all. Mm. Um, Which, again, if he really was out for blood, you know, Mm. he might have mentioned this, you know, it's fairly low hanging fruit at this point, but he doesn't mention it. Yeah. And that's Um, why I don't see it as a. um, As an attack. No, I don't see it as as a sort of brutal attack on the institution itself. I think it is his story. Um, And that is something that. I think those of us who leave groups, we often we do have this desire to tell our story. And that's something that not everybody understands, uh, particularly people still in. They they want to know why we can't just shut up and get on with our lives. Um, but there is a, a feeling there that you want to talk about it. And again, Woodward um, describes that in, in this piece. And I think it's absolutely right. There's a, a kind of need there's certain needs to just get it off your chest there's also an element of trying to make it make sense by talking about it and there's probably also some validation of of that actually you know yeah this this was the strange thing you know you you think it's strange but you need to tell other people to get that validation that yeah Mm. actually it is it is odd isn't it it isn't Mm. the way that you're supposed to live (laughs) yeah so i think there is some of that as well and also i think um, another thing that was discussed is he wanted people to understand how hard he and the other royals do work. Because um, I think mm. there's this idea of lavishly laying around, mm. you know, sort of swanning from place to place. You know, I think he did want to highlight how hard they're working, which in the cult lens mm. is not surprising. <laughs> and yeah, how often busy... do we discuss a, about mm. how busy, 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 you know, especially, I guess with the ones that are directly in line for the throne, there's probably an added pressure of needing to achieve greatness, you know, being told you need to be, you need to be good and perfect and always do the right thing and don't get caught doing the wrong thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, and you're you're always um, dispensable. Yeah. So um, one always, of the things. Th- there's always another one in line if you become <laughs> solid. <laughs> well, yes, and there's a there's an element of um, of feeling that you, you know you you can be thrown under the bus, and it, I think he he describes a couple of occasions where he's felt that that's happened to him personally, and that's I think that's one of the bitter yeah. elements of it, where because he, he's the quote unquote spare. It's, that's um, right. If yeah. it's one of them's going to get caught doing the bad thing, it's better that it's him. Yeah, and, and um, it's better for him to be damaged than the institution to be damaged. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, they're quite happy to, as I say, put um throw him under the bus at times. And I think that that's definitely you, you get a sense that that has hurt him. I think that's another another similarity there, you know. Um yeah, the 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 spare thing is is quite interesting. I mean, he Obviously, that is part of his identity. That is, and I want to talk about identity in a moment because I've, mm. I've got a bit of research that I've been doing around this that I want I want to just share with you because it it kind of relates to this. Um, but yeah, he's got this identity of spare, and the way he talks is as if the whole country called him that. But that isn't. I've never. I never heard that at all ever. <laughs> that is part of his kind of almost his origin story um apparently prince charles when he was born said to diana oh good you know now i've got an heir and a spare that was Um, always the saying as well that was um what they would say generally there's always mm, an heir and a spare you shouldn't have one you need an heir and a spare (laughs) that's right but but the idea that that the, the country called him the spare um I, I just don't think that's that's the reality but obviously it was such a big part of who he saw himself as being it's become such a big part of yeah. his narrative that it's the name of his book you know, well I think it was because it was known to him as well wasn't it that if mm. his brother was ever poorly or if he ever needed anything it was always made known to him mm. that he should give him whatever he needed because he right. was the heir and he was the spare <laughs> um so it's you like come an to, organ donor <laughs> yeah he's literally spare parts <laughs> um yeah. you know he you know until I guess William had children. Um, he was the next in line as well, so he was the the backup. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, that probably yeah, it's, it's yeah. got to do something to you, isn't it? And and obviously, as um... well, knowing his parents didn't love each other, I don't think that was mm. much of a surprise to the children, <laughs> um, given how they were. It, mm. I don't think he probably thought to himself, "Oh yes, I'm the product of a loving relationship." It's mm. a ah yes. We, as you say, with Charles saying, "Oh, good, we've got a spare." It's probably because, "Oh, good, we don't have to carry on with this now." <laughs> you know. Well, um, yeah, I think I think that the general in terms feeling... of mental complexes there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, it can't do much good. And then, obviously, as as his brother has children, then uh, after each child is born, he becomes more and more um, irrelevant. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so that again, that is likely to do something to you. Um, one of the the things that I've started to do, I've I'm putting a proposal together for a PhD. So that's that's something that I'm working on at the moment. And one of the things that I want to look at is around concepts of the self and identity. And you know, it's a big, obviously, it's an important area that has certainly been looked at quite a bit. But I think there's still more to do. And and so I've been reading up about identity and the self in relation to um coercive control and cults and, and so on um and i thought i'd sort of it suddenly occurred to me that this was kind of relevant to our conversation today so 
can I share some of that with you? Or yeah, is there anything else you want to say about um, about the royal family specifically? I mean, you could just kind of meanderingly talk about yeah. it forever, couldn't you? Yeah. So if you've got something specific, let's go on to that. Yeah. Um, so in this book, um, this is a, a handbook of self and identity edited by Mark Leary and June Tanjni. I can never say that name. Um, mm-hmm. And I've referred to it before. It's uh, It's a really good book and I'm sort of making my way through it. Um, it, it brings together a lot of what we know about identity and self. Um, and it's um, what I found interesting. There's a chapter in there all about dimensions of the self and how they develop over time, because I'm particularly interested in the idea of the self uh, and how it develops. You know, we, we've talked about this before, how people who are recruited um, often talk about their authentic self being overlaid by uh, the cult self and then when they leave they need to reassert their um, authentic self again mm-hmm. and and we've talked about that it's a bit problematic i think for that bornings the bornings it's quite problematic because and what is harry butter born in <laughs> exactly so i thought this this kind of related to it and um so the, the seven dimensions of the self that develop over over childhood um it splits up the childhood into very young young to middle um early uh, adolescence and so on so it sort of breaks it up into bands but looks at these seven elements all the way through now these seven uh, elements are first of all self-awareness secondly egocentrism thirdly accuracy of self-appraisals fourthly global self-esteem fifthly narcissism six self-enhancement strategies and seven true self versus false self behavior so obviously there's a lot there we won't Mm. won't talk about all of that and i'm still reading it so you know a bit like the the book i've not finished that either um but um it really as i was reading it, it started to occur to me that you know, this is a really important area to understand what happens as as a child and you're developing psychologically. Um, these things are being affected. And of course, they will be affected by whatever belief system your parents are raising you in and the beliefs and ways of talking about yourself and who you are. Um, and this is really profound when you're growing up in a cult um so a couple of the the ones that i thought was were really interesting so there's this true self versus false self behavior so i'm really interested in this idea of a true self you know is there such a thing as a true self um and one of the the ways of thinking about the self is that it's like a um it's like a way of talking it's a narrative and so our self really develops when we start to be able to speak and when we have language to describe ourselves and we tell stories about ourselves and we also other people tell stories about us and therefore we kind of start to construct this idea of who we are Mm -hmm. um and and in the book um i think one of the things that really affected me and i did feel some empathy was was how he had to play a part he had this and i don't I did see some of the pictures of of the Netflix series. I think we watched actually the first episode. And just look at his face um, mm. as a young boy standing there for the photographers to take pictures of him. He looks very uncomfortable. He doesn't, he looks baffled actually. Uh, and you've got all these men 
um, shouting, you know, Harry, 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 and uh, shouting. They want him to smile at them or talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he looks very uncomfortable. And you can see there's a wall there. So he, he, obviously, I'm not a psychoanalyst and I, I wouldn't try to psychoanalyze him but you can imagine that 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 would damage a child quite a lot because you're on show and as soon as you're on show you're performing and yeah. it's like he's got this mask on of of the the prince the little prince that he has to be this certain thing um that's not the real him that's the false him this harry then as he grows up he sees this harry in the newspapers doing these things that he doesn't do or he's not done um he sees people attributing certain opinions to him that he hasn't got um and i think that's that's got to be damaging to your sense of self and mm-hmm. of who you are so I well, thought that was quite like, interesting. Um, if you've got an issue with um child vloggers or mommy vloggers as they're yeah. referred to then i think you've got to have an issue with the royal family <laughs> yeah because it's their children bizarre. are not protected from it. Do you no. know what I mean? They no. they they are known from the moment they leave the hospital. They're presented to the paparazzi in a bundle, yeah. and then that's their lives forever. Absolutely, yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, and it it I think that is that has got to be damaging. I mean, even forget about the uh behavior of of some of these photographers and media you know even if even if everybody was very polite and um and actually took kept to their word i think it must still be a very strange existence and and it reminded me a bit of famous actors or child stars you know maybe mcguire and stuff like that just because he was he hates the paparazzi um because there was a time when they were even worse than they are now. Um, mm. I think it was it in the nineties they really peaked <laughs> at being horrific. Um, yeah, you know, like they'd hit people to get their reactions. I think there was stuff mm. with Harry, wasn't there, where they yeah. they sort of goaded him and he smacked mm. the camera out of their hand because I think. But obviously, the only bit that's published is the bit of him smacking the camera, not you know the beforehand. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> um, he had a, a routine where he'd um, mm. his driver would put him in the boot. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> so, it's what his mum used to do as well. Yes, you see, so he started right. doing what she did, mm. which is so unsafe. But the fact of mm. the matter is, he felt safer in the boot of a car. Mm. I think he asked his friend to do it the first time, didn't he? He asked his friend to put him in the boot, and he was mm. like, "Okay." <laughs> but it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, imagine getting in the boot of a car and feeling like this is the best choice. Mm. And if you look at some of these other um, dimensions of, of the self, so uh, think about something like narcissism. So narcissism mm. is quite an interesting, uh, and I wouldn't have thought of that as being normative in any way, but according to this article, that there is normative narcissism. Um, and so it's you, you should think of it as a balance rather than mm. a quality that you should You never become have. a narcissist and are now bad times. Mm. Yeah, so there's like, um, there's narcissistic... Um, um what's the word there's a there's a form of it that is uh narcissistic personality disorder that's right that's it that's the thing that's um that's a problem but um we all need a certain amount of narcissism if you like you know to um to to show interest in ourselves Mm. um but the the balance of that and how that develops at each stage of your life from young childhood into um adulthood you know 
as a as a young man or young woman um that's got to be affected by all this attention you know you, you have people hanging on your every word wanting to take photographs of you wherever you go um but you know, the weirdest thing is, like you said, you, because it? there's a separation of self and mm. the presented self, they're not hanging on your every word. Mm. They're hanging on the firm's every word because yeah. they have printed out scripts that they speak. They don't they don't often get to mm. say their own piece, do they? They have pre-understood, scripted stuff that's most likely to offend the least amount of people, you know, like it's like course, specially yeah. created. Mm. um you know especially all the speeches they give none of those of course are from yeah and they were probably wouldn't have read um written them themselves or at least no 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 um, they get written by the firm yeah. and they yeah. then speak them they're allowed to give suggestions mm. yeah um, but they don't necessarily get approved um so i suppose it, yeah people are hanging on every word of mm. the firm i wonder what the what the uh, uh the psychological position of those members are <laughs> you know the uh the people that write the scripts and well you know. yeah i mean they're, they're quite interesting characters and he talks about some of them in mm. his book actually um which yeah they, the they seem to be yeah but they some of them particularly their like um personal assistants and so on seem to be really important relationships actually much more so than um the familial ones in some cases i think their personal secretaries are kind of on as much as they can be, I suppose. Mm. They try and be on their side. Yeah. Um, because I suppose they're often of their own generation. Um, mm. You know, they get someone similar aged and so on, whose job is to basically run your life, like take you where you need to go or get you in the right cars and give you the right yeah. scripts and prepare or, you. Or at times they are older, so they, they become sort of surrogate parents in many yeah. ways. Mm. And that again, that's something that's very different to most uh, people's lives um but i think you know for them they will have had grow they will have grown up with nannies with um other people essentially filling in for the parental because they're not jobs. there a lot that's right they are you know doing mm. tours and reading speeches and scripts yeah. and giving forks and cutting ribbons you know his relationship with his father is actually quite heartbreaking i think mm. um his father talks very warmly to him and calls him dear boy mm -hmm. um but there is no you know they never hug they never have any kind of closeness and i think that's that's so sad mm -hmm. um you know you can see there's a real distance there um between him and his and his rest of his family really um the, and this is the latest um yeah uh, version of that and uh, the, the one other dimension that i think is pretty worth mentioning is is this self-esteem so we all need a certain amount of self-esteem and um if you're constantly being um told you're rubbish and you know you you're so for for prince harry he was always being told he was the naughty one he wasn't the smart one he was mm -hmm. the spare you know so i think his um sense of self-esteem is, is actually quite fragile and, um, and also probably just a lot of just read the script don't go off please do yeah. you know please just, just don't be yeah. you that's <laughs> right don't be you again this is an authentic self we don't mm -hmm. really want you to be you we don't want you to be you just need to we be a representative just... of the, exactly. of the yeah. film and especially uh, given that he has a, he does put a lot of value on his relationship with his mother and just mm -hmm. who she was as a person and her being i suppose 
quite oppositional to that. Um, yeah. It all kind of feeds into a very complicated understanding of what's good and okay and right. And of course, you know, with cults, um, th- this is one of the tactics that cults use is to uh, initially you get the love bombing, you know, it's wonderful and everything. Um, and, you know, you could draw um, parallels there to when Meghan Markle joined the royal family. It was wonderful. Everybody's very happy. There was lots of love bombing there. But then comes the um, the, the attack on, on your self-esteem. So I think that's mm-hmm. another similarity because cults do that. They love bomb you first, but then then comes the attacks. You know, you're yeah. useless, you're a sinner, you're imperfect, you're, you're unworthy, um, and only God or the leader can yeah. help you. But to join, she had to give a lot of things up, didn't she? Like she had to get rid of her social media presence of her own, right? Because I think they manage their that the, the firm manages the royals' social mm. media presence. So she had to kind of give up slash delete that. Mm. Um, she had to stop being an actress, didn't she? Mm. Um, that was no longer acceptable. Um, so she kind of gave up a lot of the things she, I suppose, probably drew her identity on. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. to take up this new role of being a royal which means you know doing all the tours and speeches and ribbon cuttings um which so is... one, of the, one of the criticisms of Meghan Markle I think she has a podcast and one of the criticisms I've heard about her is that she talks about her ambition and that one of the things that people don't like about her is that she's an ambitious woman and the criticism is you know what what's she ambition what is she ambitious to do you know um and that's the bit that i think some people think she's quite shallow in that respect that actually she just wanted to be famous and what could be more famous than being a princess you know and that's kind of what she was doing i mean obviously i don't know that we can know that we cannot know people's motivations so mm. i don't know whether that is true or not but i know that is one of the criticisms i've heard yeah uh, i mean i'm sure her. she was doing fine like she was a regular in a tv show like i don't yeah. you know i'm not saying she was like an a-lister or anything but mm. she seemed she seemed yeah. to be fine you know she was an independent person in her own right <laughs> yeah um, and like you say people don't join courts because they think they're going to be awful Um, you know and people for their relationships will do things for their other halves you know she was willing to move here and you know I I imagine that you know as most relationships you have a conversation right we're going to get married we live in two different parts of the world Mm. where were we going to live and at the time they probably said well given that you're royalty (laughs) (laughs) we should probably go to you and you know maybe at the point where he started, maybe there was pressure from his side mm. saying, well, she really needs to come here and he's going, mm. no, you really need to come here. You don't know what happened behind closed doors, but a decision was made that she would join and um, turns out it wasn't the right choice for them. They didn't like it. Yeah, so um, obviously time will tell what happens there. But um, one of the things that uh, Rebecca Woodward talks about is, um, and again, this is quite, it, it's quite profound, I think, in a way, Um she let me i want to read this little bit because i think it was it's really powerful and she says leaving a cult requires you to let go of being right the only way to garner sympathy from the people you leave behind is to shatter their faith and for most Mm. of them the cost is too high they simply must believe in the fact of the institution they've sacrificed their freedom for 
um, which I think is very profound. And I would add to that, that part of you doesn't want to shatter their faith because it's their faith, you know? Mm. Um, and yet another part of you wants them to wake up understand understand so that i think that you don't you don't want to be the one to do you know no one wants to leave in a way you know what i mean like you you do because you leave and you you come out and it's better actually but at the time Mm. it's devastating and heartbreaking and awful and you're like thinking to yourself do i want to do this to other people yeah you know it's going to upset people you know it's going to hurt other people um and it's um at the time it was one of the most probably deep mm. most devastating hurts you'd ever felt was to realize you were going to have to leave yeah did you want to do that to other people exactly and and again think about identity not only is your own identity bound up in in the group but you also as a social being you know i'm a father i'm a son i'm a husband i'm mm. um I, i'm these things um to other people and you know you risk breaking some of those um so yeah it's it is very terrifying and and so i do have some empathy for prince harry um whether he's done everything in the best way i don't know but i would say no one ever does do everything perfectly because there are no perfect ways of doing it you know leaving a um a coercive environment is actually really really hard and i don't think there is a a way that you can do that without hurt and um and difficulty mm. cool all right well um i don't know when our listeners will be listening to this no. it'll be out the saturday which is the uh the coronation so if you've just watched it i hope you enjoyed watching <laughs> it <laughs> um and yeah i guess uh thank you yeah. very much for listening i'll leave i'll leave you on this quote um cool. about the royals um when you're in you're never sure you're in but when you're out you know you're out that's very good all right well thank you very much for listening everybody um it's been great talking to you again and uh, see you next time bye bye